Welcome to the Truth and Democracy podcast. My name is Rich Prosida. I'm the president of the Truth and Democracy Coalition and the producer of the Truth and Democracy podcast. Americans rejected extremism this midterm election. Voters rejected mega Republicans, election denialism, and former President Donald Trump. This election was not a wholesale rejection of the Republican Party or a ringing endorsement for the Democratic Party. Same Republicans still won. And Florida, Texas, and large swaths of the country are deep red. America is still deeply divided. What lessons must Democrats take away from this election? Founder and Chief Creative Officer of Democracy and Vice President of the Truth and Democracy Coalition, Dom Jones, and myself, author, attorney, and religious leader, and president of the Truth and Democracy Coalition, will lead a community discussion about what Democrats must learn from the 2022 midterm elections. Dom Jones is a minister who serves with Planned Parenthood on the Electoral and Advisory Committee. She is the owner of Propel Cycle in Huntington Beach and can be seen on season 34 of The Amazing Race on CBS. Rich Proceda, myself, I studied constitutional law and international service at American University in Washington, D.C. I authored a textbook on foreign comparative constitutional law. My articles have appeared in laprogressive.com, BuzzFlash, Demcast, and elsewhere. I write and speak about religion and politics. Dom and I will offer lessons Democrats must draw from this election and lead an open discussion among meeting participants. Everyone will have the opportunity to participate and differences of opinion are welcome. We should all be proud of all the Democratic Party's successes in this election. Everyone's work paid off. The Truth and Democracy Coalition worked to keep the events of January 6th front and center in the minds of Americans. Our focus on truth and on democracy targeted liars and false propaganda and, held, and we held events and meetings focused on remembering the insurrection and the ongoing threats to democracy. The coalition continues to build communities of people of different faiths and ideologies to defend and promote democracy locally, nationally, and globally. Join us on November 27th at 2 p.m. to discuss what Democrats must learn from the 2020 election. Please register at tinyurl.com slash lessons for Dems. Thank you and enjoy this episode of the Truth 
and Democracy podcast. Our democracy has been tested in recent years, but uh, with their votes, uh, the American people have spoken and proven once again that democracy is who we are. The states across the country uh, saw record voter turnout. And the heart and soul of our democracy, the voters, the poll workers, the election officials, uh, they uh, did their job uh, and they fulfilled their duty. And apparently without much uh, interference at all, without any interference, it looks like. And that's a testament, I think, to the American people. While we don't know all the results yet, at least I don't know them all yet, uh, here's what we do know. While the press and the pundits are predicting a giant red wave, uh, it didn't happen. And we lost fewer seats in the House of Representatives than any Democratic president's first midterm election in the last 40 years. And we had the best midterm for governors since 1986. And another thing that we know is that voters uh, spoke clearly about their concerns, about raising costs, the rising costs that they're in, and the need to get inflation down. There's still a lot of people hurting. They're very concerned. And it's about crime and public safety. And they sent a clear and unmistakable message that they want to uh, preserve our democracy and protect the right to choose uh, in this country. After a long campaign season, I still believe it always have. This is a great nation and we're a great people. And it's never been a good bet to bet against America. Never been a good bet to bet against America. There's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity if we work together. We just need to remember who the hell we are. We're the United States of America. The United States of America is nothing beyond our capacity. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Truth and Democracy Coalition's monthly meeting. I want to thank all of you for showing up, the regulars, everybody who comes. Um, I'm very pleased that you've come today. Um, with the election on Tuesday, we're going to hear from our own Dom Jones, who will be speaking to us about the history and importance of voting from her perspective as an African-American woman. Uh, but first, what I want to do is tell you about the Truth and Democracy Coalition, make some announcements, and inter then introduce our speaker. So the Truth and Democracy Coalition was formed to build a pro-democracy movement in America. It educates the public about disinformation, teaches people to be critical of the propaganda they consume, and produces critical analysis of current events and social issues. We produce media and educational materials, hold seminars and meetings, work with other organizations, and organize events and activities geared toward building a pro-democracy movement in America. The coalition seeks to build a community of people of different faiths and ideologies to defend and promote democracy locally, nationally, and globally. Our YouTube handle is uh, youtube.com slash at Truth and Democracy Coalition. And remember, when you go to the YouTube page or to any of these pages, like, share, and subscribe. Now, I just published part one, and we'll publish part two of our Halloween episode, Will Putin Use Nor Nukes in Ukraine? A tarot reading. Yeah, so I take my tarot reading seriously. This is definitely not for entertainment purposes only. So 
check that out. Um, my readings have proven to be reliable. On December 11, 2022, we're going local. We'll be speaking with Stephanie Vallejo, leader of Whittier of the Whittier Neighborhood Organization and Whittier Term Limits. And she will talk about barriers to democracy at the local level and what to do about it in the city of Whittier, California. And you can register for that at tinyurl.com slash Whittier Term Limits. Also mark your calendars for early next year to be in Whittier for our January 6th Celebrate Democracy event. It will be at 7 p.m. on Friday, January 6th. We're going to have music, food, speakers. So uh, put that on your calendar and plan to be there. Then on January 8th of next year, we're having Braver Angels come to talk to us about how they depolarize social and cultural issues by holding discussions and debates. And there will be more on that to come. Uh, and finally, I want to thank you for your support as we advance forward with our efforts to defend democracy, uh, go to our webpage, truthanddemocracycoalition.com. And, and now to our program for today. Dom Jones is a community leader, business owner, TV personality, and co-founder and chief executive officer of Democracy, an organization that helps young women run for office. Dom serves with Planned Parenthood, Parent, Planned Parenthood on the electoral, electoral and Advocacy Committee. She is CEO and owner in Huntington Beach, California of a premier indoor cycling studio called Propel Cycle Inc. She can be seen on season 34 of The Amazing Race on CBS. As an African-American minister who worked with special needs youth, Dom understands the needs of the disenfranchised. She works to build unity and love among neighbors and to free our nation from division and strife. She will speak about the history of voting rights and the importance of voting in America. Welcome, Dom Jones. I hope everyone is having a good Sunday. It's I'm so excited to be here with you. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge everyone that is here. Um, so I see some familiar faces, of course, Ellie and Dixie and Denise. I see some other faces that I'm just very pleased to see. So welcome to our community. Um, Hermione Beard, hello, how are you? Uh, Glenda, Zhang, uh, Noble, Terry, Samuel, Myra, Kuana, Deborah, Barbara, Susan. It's so good to see everyone. Uida Watson, hello. So um, yes, right now we are two days away from our midterm elections. And right now we are in the middle of one of the most pivotal primary elections of our lifetime. This election season that we are in is truly uh, all about protecting democracy. There is a faction of this country that wants to hold us back. There is a faction of this country that desires to prevent progress. In fact, they completely do not accept anything that, you know, in the, the lane of progress. Not only that, but there are uh, dark systems at work right now that are endeavoring to prevent so many people from voting themselves. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about the history of voting. Specifically, I am an African-American woman 
That is how I identify. And I, my ancestors are slaves. And so I have a very uh, interesting history within my blood, but I also want to share with you all really the arc of history, where we are today, from whence we come from, why we are here, and where do we go from now? So let's start to talk about voting rights. So the struggle for voting rights in the United States, it really does date all the way back to the founding of this nation. The original U.S. Constitution, it didn't define voting rights for citizens. And until 1870, only white men were allowed to vote. And two constitutional amendments changed that. Do you remember which ones they were? The 15th Amendment, which was ratified in 1870, extended voting rights to men of all races. However, this amendment was not enough because African-Americans were still denied the right to vote by state constitutions and laws, poll taxes. How about this? Literacy tests, literacy tests. And does that sound familiar? Because they're trying to do something very similar today. We'll get to that. And the 24th Amendment, which was ratified in 1964, it partly addressed this injustice by prohibiting the use of poll taxes in federal elections. In addition to these amendments, the Voting Rights Act of 1965 secured voting rights for adult citizens of all races and genders in the form of federal laws. But notice this, my friends. The 15th Amendment was passed by Congress and ratified during the Reconstruction era. This is history, but it's very important. When the progressive wing of the Republican Party, listen to this, dominated Congress during the decade following the end of the U.S. Civil War. Remember, where Democrats are today and where Republicans are today is not what they once were. It was in reverse before. Republicans back then were the progressives and Democrats or the Dixies were from the South and they were truly against progress of everyone. They really wanted to uh, really focus on the Confederacy having power in this country. Um, so when Reconstruction collapsed with the withdrawal of federal troops from the former Confederate states in 1877, the white supremacist wing of that then Democratic Party dominated the South. And voting rights for Black men in the former Confederate states were rescinded rescinded, there's a lot of that going on today, rescinding in courts and in state and local laws. And those rights were further restricted, again, by literacy te uh, tests, intimidation and fraud. The infamous grandfather clause, which restricted voting rights to men who were allowed to vote or whose male ancestors were allowed to vote. Before 1867, it was also a popular method of disenfranchising African-Americans because they weren't allowed to vote before the 15th Amendment was ratified. I want to stop for a second in, in this history lesson and discuss a little bit of something here. If you notice, this country was built, and I'm going to be straightforward with you because I'm a very honest and open person. This country was built on the backs of slaves. It was. Okay. This country would not be who it is today. It would not have gone through Reconstruction, through the Industrial Revolution, and through everything else that invigorated this country to become a, a, a worldwide uh, just behemoth without free labor. See, free labor will get things done if it's free, right? And for hundreds of years, slaves that were brought here across the waters from Africa, from the West Coast of Africa, brought to this country and into Brazil under the transatlantic slave trade, were used 
to build this country were who and were completely and atrociously uh, treated like cattle. In fact, the three-fifths compromised. Do we remember that? They weren't even considered a full human being. They were property. And as this time progressed and slaves began to recognize that it is not humane to enslave another human being, that they too were human, as they began to read, because remember, during slavery times, it was illegal for them to read. And if they were caught with a book or with a Bible that was used, the Bible was used. Do you know what the Bible was used for? The Bible was used to tell slaves that you're meant to be a slave because you see, God talks about how we must care for our slaves. And without the literacy, they thought, oh, this must be the case. Coming from a land into a new country, what are you to believe? But when they began to read and they began to come into understanding and they began to fight people like Frederick Douglass, people, so many others like Harriet Tubman in the Underground uh, Railroad and so many others who paved the way, they began to demand equity and equality as they should have. And this moves us into the 20th century, into the leaders of that time and voting organizations, because the 24th Amendment and the Voting Rights Act emerged from their historical context, contexts, in, the, in this case, the civil rights movement and voting rights initiatives of the 1960s. There were certain organizations that functioned to progress and move forward so that African-Americans could have equality. These groups were the Co Congress of Racial Equality, which was called CORE, the Southern Christian Leadership Con Conference, C C SCLC, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. What is that? The NAACP, which is here down till this day. And by activists that we all know, Dr. Reverend uh, Martin Luther King, John Lewis, who we know recently passed not too long ago, Ella Baker, Bob Moses, Stokely Carmichael, and so many others. In 1963, they came together and the SNCC organized a freedom vote, a mock election among Southern Black people that was designed to encourage these citizens to register to vote. So you see, you, they had all these people. That's right, Myra, good trouble. <laughs> they had all these people that they had enslaved for hundreds of years, now beginning to seek freedom, now beginning to seek equity and equality and imparity. And when you have such a large constituency of people rising, pushing for their progress, they became afraid. The powers that be, the white nationalists, to be quite honest with you all, became afraid. And this is very important because voting rights activists, they faced violent opposition in the South, both from law enforcement and the white residents at that time who were raised under and under these ide ideologies. Now, law enforcement, we know law enforcement has had a long history. Do we know the history of law enforcement? Do we know what law enforcement comes from and what the original inception of it was about? Let's talk about it. Law enforcement, initially, as Black Americans began to gain uh, freedom and began to gain rights to walk the streets, not off the side of the street, but on the street, you see, as these Black Americans began to stand up and really seek to be equal to those around them. Law enforcement was used to help keep black Americans from certain spaces that white supremacists at that time didn't want them in. It was used now during Jim Crow 
law, law enforcement was used as the new slavery. You see, let's go. Let's go and get these black and brown men and we'll put them in jail. They won't have the numbers. Their votes won't count. We'll make people felons who cannot vote, you see, and then their votes don't matter and we don't have to worry. The original inception of law enforcement was to enforce white supremacist ideals. This is why, my friends, till this day, there is such a large movement of people, whether we agree with them or not that really uh, feel that law enforcement needs to be greatly overhauled because those remnants of how it actually began, the very purpose of it, today they are to protect and serve all people. But those remnants of the way society was run are still in the underbelly of law enforcement today. That's why there is an unprecedented number of African-Americans in prison. Why are African-Americans 13% of the population, but black and brown men and women are over 60% of the jail population? That is a huge disparity. And that, that, that is not just a disparity. That is an inherent, embedded in society, coup, if you will, to keep these men and women off the streets so that this country does not have equity for all. So really, many Freedom Summer activists during the time that they faced opposition were arrested by local police officers. Some were beaten. Three young men, uh, James Cheney of Mississippi and Michael Schwerner and Andrew Goodman were killed in June of 1964 by the Ku Klux Klan. In addition, dozens of homes, businesses, and churches were destroyed. Even another violent incident occurred when uh, uh, with John Lewis, they marched across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. I know you guys know about that. Out of Selma, the marchers were blocked by state troopers and deputized white men who then attacked the marchers with clubs and tear gas. What did we see just recently? This is all about voting, my friends. What did we see recently during the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, which again, by a faction of society was demonized as being a violent group of people. But I can tell you personally, I live in Huntington Beach and we had some Black Lives Matter activists here. And I went out there to be with, with the, the movement and just to see what was really occurring. They were very peaceful. They were trying to take a stand, but do you know what else I saw on Pacific Coast Highway Boulevard here in uh, Huntington Beach? There was another side of people that came and they were violent and they were mad and they were angry. And they were trying to infiltrate and mix with these peaceful Black Lives Matter movement individuals standing for peace and equity for Black Americans to make it look like that they were being violent, but they were not, you see. It's so important for us to recognize that these, um, these factions at work that are now very much far right wing have now inter uh, made their way into the mainstream. See, Republicans are not the Republicans of old, the John McCain's. Even I had a, someone I know who was a Republican and they just said, oh, my goodness, George Bush looks like a Democrat <laughs> compared to what we see today. Because what are people doing? And Richard uh, Presida has talked about this. This is why I love working with Richard. He's talked about the propaganda. The propaganda is real. It's very real. And it's out there. It's insidious. And it's infiltrating all of the devices that everybody is on. So it's so important for us to understand and remember that voting is something that will always be attacked. And right now in the state of Atlanta, 
where our wonderful Stacey Abrams is fighting very hard, you see. What did Stacey Abrams do? She helped flip. They're very afraid of that woman. She helped flip Georgia. Georgia? <laughs> One of the deepest, reddest, and slaveholding states, by the way, historically. She helped flip that state to blue, you see, by encouraging Black Americans to vote. Because let me tell you something. A lot of Black Americans don't want to vote sometimes because they feel that their needs are not looked out for. They feel that, why should I vote? But I'm out here and many of us are out here saying, no, no, your vote does matter. We need you to vote because when you vote, you make a difference. You see, yes, Deborah, state of Georgia, city of Atlanta. You're right about that. See, the voting really does matter. And we need to make sure that African-Americans know that when they vote, they can swing elections to help us achieve not equity for just African-Americans, but for everyone who is not a white male in society. Now, I do want to say something. I love everybody. I love my, my black friends. I love my white friends. And I love my and, I, and I'm going to tell you something about the term black and white. That also in of itself was co-opted. OK, it was co-opted to to create more division, because let me ask you this, my loves. Who I mean, who's actually white like paint? I don't I don't I don't I don't abide by that. You see, you know what I say? I tell my my, my wife friends, I said, you're not white to me. You're peach. <laughs> you're peach. Who's white like that? And listen, am I black? Am I black like this strap? No, I'm brown. I'm brown. Now, there are my lovely brothers and sisters from the Sudan who are very dark tinted and I love them and they're so beautiful. But the idea of white and black, doesn't that take away our identities? Because those who are European or peachy, right? They're Italian. They are Danish. They are German. They are I Irish, right? You know, and then those who are people call black but are brown, we are so many things. You see, so I like to try to take away that because it really diminishes the depth of who we are and people use color and the far right wing uh, faction of society today in 2022 is using something so elementary color to divide us color. Let me tell you something. Two things. First off, do you want every flower to be blue? No, if every flower was blue, we'd get bored real quick. We'd be like, okay, wait a second. Can we get some color in here? We even like a nice plumeria. Have you seen a plumeria that's white on the outside and then some are pink and orange on the middle? Isn't that beautiful? We are different colors for diversity and beauty. We don't want all the same thing. Color is not a dictum of intelligence. That is the lie that has been told and proliferated over hundreds of years. Don't buy that. Don't buy that. When you see your brown sister or your peachy brother or sister, you look at them and you say, you are me and I am you. Let me tell you another thing. If you were in the hospital and you were not well, and I, unfortunately, I, I, I did, I lost my life for some reason, but you don't know me and you needed a heart transplant. And the doctor said, sir, ma'am, we have a heart for you. Someone is a donor and her heart is coming. If the first thing you're going to say on your deathbed, what color was she? No, 
not at all. You're not going to ask that because you know inside we are all the same. You know that. My heart will beat in you like yours will beat in mine. So then why do we focus on those things? Well, it's used as a as an element of hate. Okay? And we cannot we cannot in our communities and in our cities let that sink down deeper. America thought it was better than this. Better than weaponized hate and political assassination attempts. An example to the rest of the world, blessed with a tradition of peaceful, fair elections. Then came MAGA. Violence, hatred, and cruelty replaced the old Republican Party. When white nationalists, radical domestic terror groups, and QAnon crazies became the backbone of their MAGA party, millions of Republicans said, enough. Biden won with their support. Country over party, one last time. Soon, Trump will return. The worst of MAGA's extremist wing will dominate Washington. What you decide now decides what America looks like for a generation. You're making a choice. Their America or our America.